0: Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now your host, Keith Williams.
1: Hi, Keith Williams here with the Skill Stadium podcast. Today we have a great episode for you you are going to learn about the tool making trade and you're going to learn from the perspective of the ceo of a company in the industry and a tool maker both of my guests bring over 20 years of experience in this profession so they have a lot of valuable information to offer they're going to give real world experience not theory information that can help you if you're looking to go into this profession information that will help you to be successful the process and what it takes to be successful in this profession. So, my first guest is, is named Kevin Hartso. He is the CEO of New Dynamics. Kevin is based in Warminster, uh, Fearless Hills. He grew up in Fearless Fair, Hills, Pennsylvania. He's a toolmaker by trade. He went to Pensbury High School, Bucks County, and Technical Trade School. He started his career as a trainee at Crash Corporation. He built molds for the semiconductor industry and served an 8,000-hour apprenticeship for tools and die makers. His biggest accomplishment he's very proud of is he purchased New Dynamics in 1999, and in 2003, he started NBC International. He got his current job through an offer position for New Dynamics in 1995 and was moved to operations manager. During his free time, he enjoys spending time with his two grandsons and he likes to hunt pheasants pheasants and uh, with his two labs and he enjoys spring and he enjoys turkey hunting. Now my next guest is Robert Smith. He's a tool die maker with over 20 years experience. He has worked in a number of industries. He's from Pennsylvania too uh, was working most recently as uh, Edgecraft Corporation in Avondale, Pennsylvania, where he's done this job for a number of years. He's spearheaded a program that increased throughput and competent lifts, reducing costs by about 60%. Now, please welcome both gentlemen to the Skill Stadium podcast. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Bob. How are you guys? Hello. Hello. Thank
0: you. Hi, how are you? Good afternoon. Excellent.
1: Excellent. Excellent. I actually really just connected with Bob first and... I connected with Bob on LinkedIn, and through that, I was connected with Kevin. Bob, talk to me about you know what kind of kid you were growing up,
2: and how did that influence your career path? Well, as a toolmaker, and it's kind of a, a personality trait of being a toolmaker, because you're always always trying to investigate how something's built how it's made, how it's put together, the engineering behind it. Enamored and fascinated by engines and rockets and airplanes and spaceships and just anything in general, you look around, anything in your house, A toolmaker has had something to do with that, whether it's building a mold, the machinery to process, that particular component, electronics industry, chips, chip handling, cell phones, forks, knives, spoons, dishes. I mean, everything that you're looking at or touch or feel has had something to do with toolmaking. So as growing up, my father was a a foreman at a company. It was a mining company. And I had the luxury of, of going with him one day to visit. Okay, I guess it was like bringing your son to work day kind of thing, and they had a machine shop, and they were working on propellers for a tugboat, and I, it just stuck from that point on. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to make things. I wanted to be able to create things, and everything I look at from now on, from that point on, has a, a feature, a function, in someone whose hands were involved with making that particular product. Excellent. So it really just it set me right down that path. Excellent, Kevin. Talk to us about how you grew up and how you grew up shaped
1: you into into the career that you're in and the profession that you're doing now.
0: Well, uh, kind of along the same lines as Bob. Early on, as, as a kid, my dad worked at U.S. Steel in Fairless Hills, and um, I did a plant tour there one time. And, you know, they took us through, it was a, a you know, they invited all the families of U.S. Steel workers, and took us through the entire steelmaking process. And I was just fascinated, the whole manufacturing thought of taking... Raw steel and pouring it into an ingot it was just fascinating. Watching that whole process, and after that, you know, I, I did a couple of in back when they had metalworking shop in high school it, as part of your high school curriculum. I right? took a course there and did some hands-on stuff there. Um, actually, actually came into the trade almost by accident. Um, I had actually enlisted in the Marine Corps and was in process of going through all of my tests and had all approvals of being set up for basic training and I uh, had a friend of mine reach out to me say that, Hey, this company that I'm working for is looking for trainees for toolmakers. He said, why don't you come down and talk to them? So long story short, went down and talked to the, the the older gentleman that was running the trainee program. They hired, I liked what I saw. I thought it was very fascinating. Then um, they hired six of us to start the trainee program for uh, an apprenticeship. So what what this company did, they were large enough to have six trainees, and out of those six trainees, there were three of us that stuck with it and went into it, and were offered apprenticeship as tool and die maker. Excellent, excellent. What do you think? And, you, and you're very kind. It's 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 a lot longer than twenty years. Sure, Double
1: sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I always know no, no, no twenty is a safe safe amount of time to put <laughs> people have experience, and we're not trying to age people. Yeah, right. good. you yeah. know if, if, if you if you're not growing old, the alternative is a problem. <laughs>
2: this is true, you This is true
1: so, uh, we're grateful for the years. Tell me something you know of the three people that made it, what do you think was the difference for the three people that made it through the program and stuck with it?
0: I think the difference was the interest you had to have yeah. somewhat of an interest in what you were doing. You had to have that curiosity when when i was when I finally got my apprenticeship and was working. Now I worked for uh, a lot of German descendant people that they were, they came to this country in the, in the fifties and sixties. Um, and they were all German toolmakers. And I, you know, I learned my trade from them and I got the nickname of captain question because I would question everything. <laughs> you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? And, you know, I got, I asked constant questions and you know, to their, to their acknowledgement and, and, actually, they were very good about it. And, you know, the, the, the thing that I was always taught was there's no such thing as a stupid question. There's only stupid answers. Uh, the fact that you're curious, the fact that you want to learn. And that's what, that's what young people today have to have. They have to have that, that desire to learn in order because it it is a technical trade now. I mean, mm-hmm. um, back, back in the day when I, when I served my apprenticeship, it was a very hands-on trade. It was very hands-on for finishing. It was, uh, there was a lot of Handwork at that time, polishing became a very with molds and everything became a very big, big area for our our trade for guys that are my age. But now there's equipment out there that will get you finishes that you almost don't even have to polish. So it's a very today's today's toolmaker, today's mold maker, today's machinist is a very technical person. They're specialist. they good, yeah, they're specialists, absolutely. Yeah, they're specialists. Hey. Hey, Bob, can you um, share
1: early in your career when you were starting, did you have somebody that, that had a big influence
2: on you what, and what did you learn from them? Well, I went to Boston County Technical School too in Farrell, Hills, Pennsylvania. And the, first, the teacher there, he was a post-World War II veteran. His name was Art Davis, great guy, toolmaker, machinist. And he really had an influence on me, driving me. I, I mean, I graduated distinguished student in 1981 from that class. Kevin went to the machine shop class there also. Um, we also did our time in the same company, craft Corporation, or apprenticeship there, 8,000 hours. And uh, lived through the same regime that Kevin went through. But he really put the bug in me. He was a perfectionist, old school, absolutely old school. And that was probably the greatest influencer that I had. Okay. He was a figure. He uh, shared his knowledge was um, I guess elated by being able to convey what he knew to the next generation and that's sort of a motto that I've carried through life too. If um, you know I, I'm carrying a motto today that says if I'm not the person I'm mentoring or training is not as good as I am or better and I hope they're better than I am when I'm finished with them, then I have failed mm-hmm. And uh, you know I at this point in my career there's nothing more rewarding than be able to transfer the knowledge to the next generation because it has become a very specialized, very specialized trade. No, I and, uh, and what has happened in the yeah. progression through the years with the trade, like Kevin has said, it is go- And, you know, there is a, a stigma about it. You know, people think like, you know, see the old Henry Ford plans with the lathes and so forth. It's not like that at all. OK, what needs to be done is really to engage, I guess, with the guidance counselors, the trade schools, the local community colleges, and bring them up to speed on, like, say, career days where the technology is out there and uh, the IMTS shows or the East Tech shows, where it's really highlighting the technology today because it is, uh, it, we're not going to Mars, we're not going to the moon without engaging with this type of technology today. Five axis machining, programming, modeling, uh, rendering, additive machining. Uh, it's just a whole ball of wax, and everybody today sort of specialized in one niche of it. And uh, you can be a programmer, you could be a wire EDM guy, you could be a sinker EDM guy, a mold maker, tool maker, machinist. There's there's a gamut of different, I guess, niches in this industry where you're not going to be the guy in the corner running an engine lathe anymore in a dark, damp room. It's just not that way at all. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And and you know, I also imagine that what I've noticed is a lot of people are not even aware of this profession. And I all really? I I didn't know about it. And yes. so I got to believe the average person doesn't know about it. Kevin, you're, you know, uh, maybe I'm going to ask Kevin this, you know, being in a leadership position, Kevin, are you seeing the challenges of people not being exposed to the profession as a challenge for you for getting staff and getting people?
0: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's unreal. The fact that, None of the high schools. I mean, it's, it, it, don't get me wrong; it is getting better within the last three years. Um, but none of the high schools are, are, are running any type of curriculum where they're they're getting kids out and showing them what's available. Now, the the, uh, the NTMA is is trying to do a good job with educating the educators, and that's what we have to do. I mean, we have to get the word out to our, our schools as well as as well as and even the colleges. I mean, there's a lot of colleges now. That in the engineering groups that they while they still have a, a good curriculum there's not enough emphasis spent on the actual machining machining it's all it's all driven towards the engineering portion of it but we have to get people uh, indoctrinated from the get-go from the from the time they they get out of high school to get them started into into a place where they can come into a manufacturing facility and, and be able to cut chips and there's um the other the other thing it's funny you say that I'm in the process right now doing another article where we're going to be featured in a magazine. Um, There's not enough talk about training mold makers, mold making designers. That came up in a conversation the other day. Do we know any places that can train or that actually do training for mold design? I don't know of any. While they do do hard, they do solid modeling and solid design work. There's no actual mold design curriculum. Excellent. Bob, let,
2: let
1: me ask you this because I know we're talking about the profession. Can you please explain the profession for our listeners? Because I think this is important because we're just assuming everybody knows what, what profession is. And you did a great job explaining it to me because you and I spoke before a couple of weeks ago. Before that's, we the podcast.
2: that's a great question because there's a lot of different niches in this trade. There's machinist, there's toolmaker, there's tool and time maker, there's model maker. OK, machinists and toolmakers can make anything. The difference between a machinist who can make anything and a toolmaker can make anything. The toolmaker makes the parts that make the parts. They make the dyes. They make the molds. Whereas a machinist and a toolmaker can both make a, a one-off component. A model maker will do, uh, engage with the, with the R&D, new product development departments, and work with them in developing new products, uh, whether it's, a, say, your GE asterisk in Princeton were uh, spinal implant facilities. I worked at a spinal implant manufacturer and uh, we would be uh, the model makers pre-FDA approval. And it was working with the engineers and just designing different designs, working with doctors, physicians. And, And Kevin and I went through this when we were doing our partnership, working with Bell Labs back in the day with the first quad pack. Different iterations of a component before it goes into production. Okay, that's the model making end of it. Uh, there's also other ends too uh, with this. And I had the luxury during my career of doing applications engineering for uh, two EDM manufacturers and also engaging in the, in the technical sales end of it, which I met uh, 1,500 different shops that, you know, that I've been in. And all the owners and all the people in the, in the in the industry right now are complaining that there's a skills gap. There's a good 20 year skills gap. And I think that I was probably one of the last uh, apprentice groups that went through. And the owners right now, instead of complaining about the skills gaps, got to get together and engage with the tech schools. They got to engage with the community colleges. They got to engage with the with the student uh, body or the guidance counselors and gear the people to take a look at this trade. They gear the young younger people to take a look at this and, and share them the benefits in the future and that they can actually make a good, stable living with it for the rest of their life. Yeah. I'd also reiterate, and I'm sure both of you can agree with
1: this, the salaries are pretty good. You're making a good living wage in this industry, I would assume, right? Like this is not this is better than what you're going to go make if you're going to work
2: retail or work wherever. This is a living wage. Oh, yeah. But it, oh, as, far, as far as the, uh, the trade itself goes versus other trades out there, it's lagging behind a little bit, and that's due to offshoring. And there's always competition from offshoring. So what we need to do here is become better or more educated. And uh, more proficient in what we do, and take our skill level to the next level, so we can be more competitive globally. If we're more competitive globally, then the salary base across the board will come up, okay? Because more work will stay here. Yes, no, that makes sense. Kevin, as the CEO of View Dynamics,
1: what advice would you share for job candidates who wish to get hired by your company? And do you have any job opportunities you'd like to share?
0: Well, we I, I, we're always hiring. We we're in fact we entered, interviewed a gentleman today. Um, I just had, in fact, we we had a one of our apprentices graduate from his apprenticeship uh, this week, and they did the final interviews with the NTMA, and he got his certification papers. But yet we're always we're looking for young people, we're looking for uh, young kids that are interested in the trade. My best best advice would be just be be hungry, want to learn, because these people there's a lot of people here that enjoy teaching young people, and we we encourage young people to get into the trade, and it's That's not right. just yeah, it's not just a, a a a male trade anymore. It's back. There was an old stigma around that that the machinists were all male. It's it's no longer that. It's it's a technology trade now. It's it's high tech. You, you know, when you're you've got a a young person that's 22 to 23 years old running a piece of equipment that costs upwards of you know seven or eight hundred thousand dollars. Businesses take a, a a lot of trust in that individual to, to make sure that they run the machine right to get the most productivity out of it.
1: No, that makes sense. Can you tell us a little bit about the culture of your company and why it's a great place to
0: work? Um, well, from a culture standpoint, we, you know, we we try, we do our best to make sure that we're competitive with all the other shops in the area. And and honestly, that we do talk to other companies um, locally and nationally because of our affili- affiliation with the NTMA. You know, we, our wages are structured so that they're very competitive within the industry. We, we, um we're a small, Bob will tell you, we're a small, small company compared to a lot of others, but we're large in our industry. Um, we've got 25 people in-house. We encourage people to uh, come to work here by giving them the opportunity. We have, a, we have a flex schedule. So I've got guys that some guys will start at three o'clock in the morning and work till, till noon or one or two o'clock in the afternoon order so that they can go to their kids baseball game or if they have doctor's appointments. We've got we've got guys that will work uh, that start later in the morning because they have to get their kids off to school. So we, we give guys the opportunity to work around their schedule and we have production meetings that involve everybody. This is a, a hands on company, everything from myself all the way down through the ranks. Everybody's involved in the production planning and getting this, getting the work out the door.
1: No, that's great. Uh, and, and I think that having that flexible time for people is amazing. I think that that makes a big difference, especially for people who have families. Your grand, your grandfather's obviously, you understand families. So, yep, that's huge. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I respect that. That's, that's a big deal. Hey, Bob, you know, I know, Bob, I know you're active on LinkedIn. Oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like me, you know, like me, you didn't grow up with the... Uh, with the internet. I know you didn't grow up with social media. I didn't grow up with social media. None of us did, you know. So can you share how it's
2: affected your career and how you work? Well, you know, I had a lot of exposure when I was doing sales and applications and a lot of travel time and got the opportunity to see a lot of different, I guess, niche markets, whether it was lasers, whether it was uh, uh, aeronautical parts, whether it was rocket parts, molds, dyes, so forth. Going on LinkedIn now, I have probably 2,000 contacts are real close to 2000 contacts that are primarily tool and die makers mold makers in the trade and you get different perspectives from different people across the country you're seeing uh different you're seeing a trend you're also seeing uh, a trend in the age of the average person yes. okay that's 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 that 20 year gap that we're talking about and we're also seeing uh the common core kind of beliefs the technology that we're what we're driving to get to and, and where we're at and um so I, I think that with the LinkedIn platform, it gives you a, a window to communicate with other people globally and also nationally to keep on the same page. Mm-hmm. You know, I have uh, on LinkedIn, I have the, the tooling and Machine knowledge form and the tooling and Machine knowledge form is based. The concept behind it is based to have, if you're in a shop and you've just encountered a different type of job, a new job, something, a material that you may not be familiar with, say a has to a your carbide, or you got a new process, a new machine, a wire, EDM, a, a sinker, you're grinding, you're new to that. You can go into this forum and communicate with other people and ask them what their experiences or maybe some of their suggestions are. And there's, there's, some of the best people in the industry are involved with this right now. And there's access to all this knowledge, which allows uh, you to communicate and say, hey, I'm having a problem uh, machining this. I had never done it before. Is any suggestions out there. And you'll see people come and help other people. And that, I think, is a really beautiful thing, you yeah. know, where there's that communication. And, and we need that here in America. We need that in the trade because no one, the trade is so diverse and so vast. You don't know everything. You never will. And if you go through 50 years of doing this, you're still going to learn every day you do this trade. And, but it gives you a resource to go to and talk to people. There's technical people. There's applications engineers from different tooling manufacturers, machine tool manufacturers, and they'll be able to help you out or guide you in the right direction. And yeah. I think that's a, a beautiful thing that LinkedIn has given me the ability to form yeah. and, and be part of. I also think, Bob, I think that
1: you're able to now prepare the next generation, because you have a tool that allows you to connect with them. And I think we're like you and Kevin are really valuable is that you understand technology, but you're still old school enough where you know how to shake hands and build that relationship. I mean, I do that too. Like, you know, I came up in the early nineties, mid nineties. So I came up before, you know, working before the internet was there. So I had to go out and shake hands and knock on doors. So, you still I, do. And I still do, yeah. yeah. so you still do. I always see there's value when I see that generation of people who don't rely solely on an internet connection, an email to connect with people. You got to go shake some hands and meet some people. Yes. The internet just allows you to get to more people. Yes. And Big Ten. So um, It's your platform. It 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 yes, it does. Uh, speaking of technology, Kevin, let me ask you this. Uh, Skill Stadium is a platform that allows job seekers to use video, they, the jobs you can do a 30-second elevator pitch. They can do up to 360-second demonstrations showing their skills, knowledge, and profession. I know it's important for you to bring the right people in to interview. Do you see a value in using video to evaluate a talent before you're bringing them in, Kevin?
0: I, I think yeah. Overall, I think it would be it would be a good idea. Um, we haven't done it yet. Um, we we during COVID we did interview on the phone. Um, but we just recently started bringing p- people back into the facility okay. to show them around. I think, I think, uh, like a 30 second, bl- a 30 second or three minute interview on the phone or on the video call would be huge. We didn't utilize it only, only because we thought we got, we'd get better value out of our time by actually bringing the person in and showing them what we do. I mean, when you, when I walk somebody through the facility, show them the type of work we do, the, the broad base of, Customer types everything from medical to aerospace to to uh, military military style work, automotive. We do we do work for all the industries out there, and that's the nice thing about you know a, a broad based customer base. You know we touch on a lot of different products, and I think it shows better when we bring people in the facility. But yeah, uh, doing a, a you know a three four minute interview online would absolutely add value. I think.
1: Yeah and I was doing it, I was thinking more from the perspective of before they apply they have the video for you to see before you bring them in just because what I found is and I've talked to some business owners is what's on paper doesn't always match
2: match with what comes in the office I cannot agree more with that statement
1: yeah. yeah. Bob, you've seen that and you know what I'm talking about. I've
2: seen that firsthand. I've just experienced that firsthand. And the way to do it is to get in and deal with the shop owner or the shop supervisor. They'll know if you got what it takes out of the gate. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to make a lot of HR people unhappy, but this is the way it is. You're asking the wrong questions. You don't even know the questions to ask. You don't know the personality and you have to get with the shop owner. He He will be able to evaluate if you have what it takes get in front of those people, get in front of the decision makers, deal with the shop owners, the shop supervisors, and that there will help you get in the door. I agree. Absolutely. Nobody wants surprises when they, when they bring people in. I, I just think
1: you tell right. it's so important. You're going to get this, whoever you are is going to get, people are going to figure it out at some point. Yes. You can't play the role of somebody else. You can only do that for so long. It's, it's only a question of time before people figure it out. <laughs> like and in God. tool making,
2: that's about 30 seconds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I'll tell
1: you, I had somebody I hired to do uh, blogs for me, and they just they couldn't do it. And I explained that, hey, it's a skill trades. And they were talking about college. And I said, well, that kind of doesn't relate to what I'm doing. And, you know, people that you know people. There's that stigma the the that we have, like, you know.
2: You know there's that stigma that we have here in the States and working with your hands is bad. Working with yeah. your hands is the basis of everything we do. Oh yeah. And, um, and that's the basis of everything we do is working with your hands. I mean, there's only going to be so many IT people. There's good, And I remember the days that that's all was advertised. IT, IT, IT. Yeah. Now these guys have all gone to school. They have college tuition to pay. They have, uh, you know, bills to pay to pay for that tuition and schooling and the jobs aren't paying because they're just flooded. Yeah. That area. Well, I agree. I agree. And you, you will always need
1: anything we have here has been built by someone. Absolutely. you think about the bridges, you think about the infrastructure. You also just think about, you need air conditioning in the summer. If your air conditioning unit breaks down, you need an HVAC technician to come and fix that. that required, you can't outsource that. Right. Someone has to come to your home and fix that. Yep. Plumbing, same thing, and it's something <laughs> for with all of this. If your plumbing goes out, I promise you that's the first priority you're gonna fix for the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have so no doubt. I don't have to even guess that. I can, I can call anybody. Don't care what part of the country you're
2: in, and just mention that, and I know you've got to address that right away.
0: Yep, very true.
2: Yeah, the transition in this trade has been uh, technical and also computer driven, which yeah. is going to attract a lot of the younger guys too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the CNC equipment, the programming, the CNC, the operating the CNCs—it's all integral. So, what types kind of characteristics do that people have to have to be successful
1: in this profession?
2: Perfectionist. Okay. A little bit of obsessive compulsive disorder, I think, where you want things right and it has to be right. And there's a certain tolerance that we live in and you have to maintain nominal to, to be accepted. The ability to strive to always improve yourself because technology, I mean, here's a prime example. I don't know if you guys will say it. Modern machine shop. Yep. I subscribe to it. It's sent to my house. Okay. Every month you're going to look in there and you're going to see something new. You're going to see a different way to approach something. And you're gonna. that's the way we're going to perpetuate this trade and stay on top. I just want to emphasize something, folks, what Bob just showed. Bob is,
1: just proved something. Learning is extremely important to be successful in any profession, but in this profession in particular. Bob has a lot Constant. of experience, and he's still learning. He has something that he has- Every a, day. Yeah, every in. day.
0: You, you learn something new every day. There's no doubt in my mind. Staying on top of technology is, is big. Um, guys that, that follow technology, especially in this trade- Uh, you know we mentioned that the the trade shows um hopefully we're going to get back to the point where within this within this calendar year we're we're going to be able to go to a trade show and see what the new technology is out there
1: yeah are you guys active in going kevin do you personally go or do you send usually
0: yeah i mean to to look at new equipment absolutely i try to make at at least every every other year if not every year go to a trade show there's one in new england there's also the big show out in chicago
1: okay so that means even with your even with is the president and CEO of the company and he's still going, to, he's still learning. I'm assuming he's not just going there for a vacation, he's going there to learn. No, he's not. Exactly. He's not you know, So
2: He's so. going there to stay competitive.
1: Exactly. Exactly. The exactly. global,
2: that's that's global market is very competitive. And yeah. you gotta stay on the cusp of that technology to maintain that edge. That's to have people is. come to you. And that's that's why Kevin goes to these trade shows. I worked on the other side of the aisle the trade shows. And I've seen people come in trying to perpetuate and educate them on what the latest and greatest technology is to give them the upper hand. But one of the things that really um, I got to stress is if you're walking into a shop and the shop's got equipment that's 25 to 30 years old, that's the era you're going to live in. You got to walk into a shop that's constantly striving to be competitive on a global scale, not just a local scale, but a global scale today. And because we have China, we have India coming on hard right now. We have to pull together in the United States and really put our minds together and focus on being competitive globally. Yeah, because oh, Kevin and I both went through the generation of offshoring, and yeah. you know, there's a reshoring initiative going on right now that I think that uh, is a good thing, it's a great thing. But we got to play catch up when it comes to the skills gap. Definitely. Definitely. And speaking of the skills gap,
1: how do we close that? And it's just getting worse. Like, how do we Close the skill gap
2: and get more people in the skill trades. That's what any. (laughs) Uh, That's the that's the nine hundred dollar question, right? Yes. Um, I think what we got to do is give more exposure to the young people and let them see, like on a career day, let them see what this trade is really all about, or skill trades in general. Uh, Right now, there's not that exposure. You're you're an isolated company. You're a bricks and mortar building somewhere on a corner with a sign out front. Nobody knows what goes on inside there. Uh, I think that we have to break down those barriers and get with, like I said, the the tech schools, the the uh, guidance counselors, and and maybe have an industrial type of environment to show uh, people who have aspirations of doing this for a living to go there and get that exposure firsthand and say, yeah, wow, like I have, wow, that is what I want to do for a living. I don't yeah. want to be an IT guy. I don't want to be whatever it might be. I, I want to do this for me. I want to program. I want to machine. I want to grind. To split in I want to do those things, and I want to make beautiful parts at the end of the day. And I think that's uh, what it's going to take. To open those doors up. You got to knock those barriers down. Get rid of the stigma of the past, and really attract young people. Because today, if you're not programming, you're not machining well. You're not doing three D work. You're not doing five axis work. You can't exactly. program. It's not getting done.
0: Yeah. Yep. Very true. Yeah. yeah. The whole the whole skills gap is a huge issue. And it's it's gotta start with the schools and, and the parents. We have to educate the parents as well. And bottom line is that we have to get the word out there that there's no longer, as Bob mentioned, that stigma around manufacturing. And and it's huge. If we can if we can educate the educators on, on the skills gap and to say, hey, you know, we can offer offer people a, a good trade, a good living, a good a good <laughs> sustainable living where they don't get laid off, where they don't get downsized. It, it's a huge, huge opportunity for people.
1: I agree. I agree. And, and that's a big deal now. Nobody wants to get laid off. And, you know, the skill trades, I think the, uh, the pandemic showed us what careers are essential. And it showed us what careers survive in spite of the economy tanking. You worked in retail or restaurants. It was a- Oh, it was yeah. Tough time. Was it the
2: tough well, time? this trade here, if you want to stay, if you want to be on the absolute cusp of technology, this is the trade to be in. Because if you look at the Mars rover, that's all machined. All, yep. all machined. Yep. You look at the rocket that took it there, that's all machined. Yep. You look at the new propulsion systems, those are supersonic planes or, or any aviation or submarine or military or electronic component. It's all on the cusp of technology that was basically run through a tool shop. Wow.
1: That makes Absolutely. Definitely.
2: Final question. For so both of you, what resources
1: would you recommend for an aspiring toolmaker, and any final advice you'd have for young people interested
0: in the trade? Kevin, I think I think that from a resource standpoint, obviously local trade schools. We are luckily, it looks like the local trade school here is going to start back up the machining program. Also, the NTMA has got a real good, good machining you online application for high school kids that they offer for free. We got to get the word out for that basically and the other the other is from a resource standpoint ask questions ask your ask your guidance counselors you know where's our good trade get the, get get curious about what you want to learn what you want to do as, do for a living as Bob mentioned, programming is huge um, they ask well what type of person are you looking for' we're, uh, right now we're looking for young people that are interested in mechanics and mechanical movement. But they're mm-hmm. that are also really inter- interested in computers because um, learning how to drive these machines that make these parts and is is huge. Um, and ha- if we have a young person that's got a mechanical aptitude and is also good with computers, it's a win-win all the way around. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Can you just repeat that organization you said the NTMA because it was free? Can you can you repeat that again, please?
0: Yeah, the NT- National Tool Tool and Machining Association has a. An online university for or a, an online learning uh, forum for young people, and it's and it's a free. If you look up the NTMA, there's a there's a free portal for for students. Excellent,
2: Bob. Any final advice? Uh, yeah, I think that when you're if you're if you're a young person looking to get into the trade, you want to get into the trade not as an operator that might be the foot in the door, but once you establish that foot in the door, you want to just perpetuate your trade and grow. And I've had a lot of opportunities in my lifetime. And I really uh, appreciate that in my career span of doing different things, whether it was grinding or programming or milling or wire or sink or EDM and applications engineer. I think you'd never be satisfied is probably the biggest thing I can tell, you know, walk in the door, don't be satisfied with standing in front of a machine, figure out how it works, how it programs, go to the next level, You have another technology that you're not aware of, learn it, study it, Ask those questions, ask those questions and become very versatile in this trade. And that there will go, that'll that'll carry water for a long time because yep, you yep. can, if like, for example, Kevin's slow and grindy, he can utilize you in mill. He can utilize you in wire or programming. You can float. And that, I think that's a great, great thing to have. And it really opens up your toolbox as a toolmaker, uh, your skill set, and uh, makes you very valuable to the owners. And it makes you, and it gives you a good personal sense of work. Excellent. Well,
1: gentlemen, Kevin, Bob, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your time and I appreciate all the knowledge you shared and look forward to uh, continuing to stay in touch. And thank you again. It has been an it. honor.
0: It has yep. been an honor. Thank
2: you. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you.
0: thank you. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.